Welcome back to the Young Life Midlands podcast. We have another seminar from our committee leader weekend from Matt Sloan talking about contact work. You'll hear a little bit of Young Lives Club happening in the background for the first few minutes, but then it'll be over. There's a lot of great stuff in this. So hope you enjoy.
farthest parking space possible, you know, so I can pass as many people as I can. Um, I think um, still the worst thing about doing contact work to me is when I walk by someone and be like, I may, I may know their name, I've heard their name or something like that, and I'll be like, uh, Bill, what's up, man? <laughs> you know, and you hold out the dab hand, you know? <laughs> Bill don't want any part of that, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bill don't care about you, you know? But you've learned his name, you try to stab him up a little bit, and he just looks at you like, man, get, get out of my face. Just get out, he doesn't hold his hand out, doesn't do anything. But if that has never happened to you, just wait. I mean, that actually kind of should happen to you. We kind of take risks to engage people sometimes that don't know us. Now there's nothing. Is it Oprah? What's happening over there? Oprah. Um, but that's, that's what we do. We, you kind of take risks and stuff out, and, and uh, a lot of times people reject you. There was one guy in particular, and some of you may know his name, so I won't say it, but one guy in particular, there's a couple people in here that actually went to high school where I lived in like. But he would walk by me, he'd be coming, he would leave early and he would come up the parking lot when I was walking by. And I'm not kidding you, for three months, that dude did not speak to me. And I spoke to him every single time he walked by. This gave him the first, the, the like, what's up? Nothing. He gave me the like, I hope you're dead. And, uh, and uh, so over and over and over again, for three months he did that. It ended up being a pretty sweet story. Um, but I think to me, that's really a hard part about doing content work is engaging people that don't want you to engage them and they hate you. Um, that, that's a hard thing. But you actually may have, there actually may be some stories of uh, when you've gotten rejected or when it's just gone bad or you were walking down the parking lot and you tripped over the curb, you know, and play, anything like that. So group up real quick, introduce yourselves to, to each other. And if any of you have any stories, that's great. Take a minute to do that. And then we'll get back together in a second. Go ahead. I'm calling. Does anybody have, is there anything you're like, that needs to be shared out loud. I'm talking about something that's going wrong. Anybody have one that needs to be shared out loud? Anything at all? Actually, like that? That's too good. I can't believe that happened. Anything at all? No? Nothing? This girl. Thank you. Right, right, right. And so we were. One example is we were in the lunchroom at high school, at the high school, and you know they have like particular times where the students can leave the lunchroom. Like they're supposed to stay in the lunchroom at that time. So we're there, and they're talking to the students around, and then we're like, okay, let's go. We're gonna go find a teacher to like talk with her or whatever. So we're leaving the lunchroom, and the teacher stops us and he's like, hey, you guys aren't supposed to leave. <laughs> and we like turn around like, what? And he's like, oh, you're not students. And we're like, no. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, a lot of times, uh, have you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Anybody here? It's a boring movie called Dumb and Dumber. If you haven't, 
Yeah, probably should have. It's really good. It's funny. Uh, but there's one moment, Jim Carrey, Senator <coughs> Jeff Daniels, and, and there's two morons. Well, they're on this road trip, and they stop at this gas station. That's the best explanation for your life. They stop at a gas station. They're tired, middle of the night. He walks in there, and he, he leaves. He walks out of the gas station. Jim Carrey does. He's kind of walking along, real tired. And there's these guys over to the right, right out of the gas station. Um, you know, these, like, he's, just, he's just this white dude. These African-American dudes are over there just chilling. And he walks out and goes, and they're drinking big gulps, right? The big drinks. He looks over and he goes, big gulps, huh, guys? I don't know them at all. He just goes, big gulps, huh, guys? And they just look at him like, he goes, all right, see ya. You know, trying to start a conversation and just nothing. It's one of my favorite scenes in that movie for sure. Because uh, he just had no business talking to them. It just kind of felt like it. Well, here's my hope out of this time today is uh, that I'm just going to kind of give you a whole bunch of stuff on doing contact work. I've been on Young Life staff since uh, 2001 um, and led Young Life um, before that when I was in college for a little while. Um, so my hope is just to kind of fire some things at you um, about contact work, really foundational things about doing contact work that I'm hoping one or two of these things you and your team um, can take back uh, together and maybe be like, oh, okay, let's try to start implementing that, or that really encouraged us to do things um, in, uh, in a certain way. Uh, quick background on me, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. I lived there for 25 years. Lived there 25 years. I went to Dreer High School there in Columbia. Um, I remember being at lunch, we used to eat lunch on the patio, um, out there, and I had I actually ate my high school lunch for dinner last night on the way down here, which was a Twix and a Mountain Dew. That's what I had for dinner. That's what I ate every single day. Every single day, I had a Twix and a Mountain Dew in high school for lunch out on the patio. And I can remember being out on that patio, hanging out with my friends, you know, just trying not to, hoping I didn't have a booger and, and trying not to, whatever, you know, look stupid. And then I remember this guy. And these people, but this one guy in particular, would come around the corner every once in a while. This guy was nothing like me. He was an older gentleman, African-American gentleman, would turn up, come around the corner, and he would be smiling. And he would look at me, and he'd be smiling. I kind of barely knew him. I knew him, but I didn't know him too well. <laughs> and he would turn, come around the corner, and he would look at me, and he would say my name, and he would act like he was excited to see me. All the while, I'm in the middle of like high school panic, you know, just all the time inside of me. Just worried about what people think about me, didn't want to mess up anything. And then Bertram, <coughs> Bertram, my young life leader, would come <coughs> uh, and he would find me every time. He, I felt like he was there for me. I, he was there for everybody. I know that now as a young life leader, but I felt like he was there for me. He smiled, he wanted to see me, he called me by name, and he showed up at my school at lunches and he showed up at uh, games and he showed up there I felt like again just to see me every time I saw him he wanted to see me and he knew who I was Bertram my young life leader Bertram and I talked this week Bertram and I talk a lot still uh, we are lifelong friends um, I mean he came and hung out with us my, me and my family you know a month ago Bertram and I are lifelong friends. Uh, we talk all the time, and I love that because in contact work, a lot of times you feel like you're in the, 
you kind of do contact work as a means to an end. I'm going to do contact work, and then maybe I can get you to club. You know, like, that's kind of just why we do it. Like, if I do some contact work, then you're going to come to club. Like, coming to club is the goal of what we're doing or something like that, right? Which it's not. It's not the goal of what we're doing. There's a thing called journey evangelism. You may have never heard of it before. Does anybody know what that is in here? Journey evangelism? Great. It's an expression that you can forget. Except, don't forget what it means. Journey evangelism means this. You meet everyone like you're going to know them the rest of your life. Not as a means to an end. You meet everyone like you're going to know them the rest of your life. Not as a means to an end. You are called to your high school or middle school or college, whatever, wherever you leave. The Lord has placed you there right now for this season. And the way we treat people in the ministry, not only the ministry, but truthfully everyone in our lives, but specifically for the ministry, the way you treat people is through journey evangelism. I'm going to know you the rest of my life. That's kind of how dialed in we need to be when we're there. I have a hard time remembering names. So you might be like me and feel like, oh gosh, how am I going to remember everybody the rest of my life? That's not what I'm saying. But we show up there in hopes of building relationships that are going to last the rest of our lives. That's what we're doing. Journey of angels, you show up, you show up to do that. The point of contact work, the point of contact work is this. You bring Jesus to them. I'm going to say this over and over again in here. But if you find yourself doing contact work so that people will come to camp, if you find yourself doing contact work so that people will come to club, or so that people come to campaigners, A, you are not alone. But B, that is not why we do contact work. Here's the good news. All of God, all of him, like every bit of God, all of God lives Inside of you, all of him, by his spirit, lives inside of you. Young life is about Jesus living in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus, all of him, lives inside of you. And what he's asked you to do is to show up in the lives of people that don't know him. And his aroma his aroma will go to others from you. Young life, doing young life is spending time with your team, reminding each other that you're loved and known, and then you show up in the lives of lost kids, not to get them to go anywhere, but with eyes and hearts and hopes that they might come to know Jesus and you engage them like you're going to be lifelong friends, like you're going to know them the rest of your life. That is the point of young life. Jesus in you, you bring Jesus to them, and you live among them on their turf, where they are, helping them understand God doesn't want me to go somewhere else so that he, I can be with him. But really, where I am, in the middle of the storm, like in the middle of the storm, is where God meets them. It's where he met you. In the middle of the storm. He's not at the end of the storm. He's in the middle. I can't say that enough. That's the point of contact where you bring Jesus to them. And your ministry is relationships on their turf. That might be a little bit 
straight to, I, I, in preparing this, I was like, oh, God, I need to hear that again. Because it's easy to get caught up in things like club and campaigners and camp, and those things are not bad, by the way. Those are tools in the toolbox of teaching people how to follow Christ. But who we are, who you are as a young life leader, is showing up there, on their turf, to lost kids. That is who we are. Okay, I'm not better. Okay. Um, somebody give me the definition of contact work. Go ahead, just shout it out. What's, if you have a definition of contact work, what is it? Ready, go. <laughs> Going out to meet new kids on their turf. Love it. Going out to meet new kids on their turf. What else? Knowing them. Knowing kids. What else? Hanging out. Hanging out. Some say, some even say, hanging out with a purpose. You know? What else? Making them feel noticed. Making kids feel noticed. What else? Anything else that you think of the definition of contact work? Communing with them outside of your life. Sorry, one second. You said what? I said communication. Communicating, yes. What'd you say? Being with them outside of your life. Being with them outside of your life, yes. definition of what success is in young life like wouldn't that be helpful if you knew like how do I know if I'm doing this right you know like what is the definition of I'm being successful as a young life leader I'll offer you a couple suggestions are you praying ouch are you praying is a great kind of meter as to, am I really doing this thing? Are you spending any time before Jesus praying for kids? That's a great indicator of like, mm, I'm being successful, I think, if I'm praying. And the second marker I would say is, are you showing up? Are you showing up on their turf? Are you praying? And are you showing up? I don't know how many other definitions you may have swimming around in there, but I'll venture to say what the definition of success is I'm praying and I'm showing up on the turf of kids. That is your definite, that is the non-negotiables. That's the, those are non-negotiables as a leader. It's praying and showing up. Non-negotiables. I'll say it again, young life is not club or camp. 90% of the job is showing up, like you're, you're successful. You pray and you show up, 90% of it is doing that. So let me ask you this, here's a gauge on that, of, of kind of what are you paying attention to 
um, with your team um, and for you as a young life leader? What do you hold in a higher regard? Your club schedule or your contact work schedule? Or maybe a better question would be, do you have a contact work schedule? That's for most people, it's like, I know my club schedule, like we're set. I know when I'm doing a skit, when I'm doing a game, when I'm doing the talk, all good things. But are you holding, I think it's a higher priority, a schedule for when you're going to show up to the school? You might think, oh, it's just gonna, natu I'm just gonna naturally make it happen. No, it will start to slide and disappear most likely then. I think you and your team um, should get together and talk about scheduling out when you're going to the school. And talk about it a lot. Your highest priority should be when are we going? It's almost like the delight of your heart, not almost, it, a delight of your heart as I walk into the school. You're nervous, you're anxious, but you're not alone. You're with your team, ideally, or someone else from your team is there with you. But you've been there on purpose. You held a contact, you have a contact work schedule. I venture to say if you've made a club schedule for this semester and you have not made a contact work schedule, you need to rethink some things. Club, club schedule, awesome. Way to go, it's done, put it up there. But if you do not have a contact work schedule, you need to get together with your team leader and say, I need a contact work schedule. You might think, if you have a contact work schedule and to us right now, I'd say no. You're, you don't need a contact work schedule. It's like there's seven days in the week. Figure out when you're going and go together. Just write it down somewhere. Look at a sports schedule or whatever. Get every team and think, when can we go? And more importantly, when can we as a team go together? Because you are not superwoman. And you are not superman. And you can't do this thing alone. You need your teammates to go with you. So get together with your teams, if you have not already, and put together a contact work schedule. Your team should know when you are at the school most time, almost every time you go. You should be together most times that you go by being part of the team. A contact work schedule is more important than your club schedule or your camp cell plan or anything like that. Going, we are goers, we are pursuers, we are engagers because all of Jesus lives inside of us. You have a Bible home? John 1 14. Somebody look that up. Somebody look up 2 Corinthians 5 20. Somebody look up Colossians 4 5 and 6. We didn't make contact with up. You know this. Jesus did this. This is who Jesus is, what his spirit is, is goers and pursuers of us. John 1 14. Anybody got it? Stand up, read it loud. <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you imagine kids saying that? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. How is Matt Sloan telling your name there? How are we people that show up? and get to be the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. I want kids at T.C. Robertson to say that. Like, 
I want them to be like, God, this thing, this light showed up because the leader T.C. Robertson became flesh and dwelt among us. Wouldn't that be a great legacy for you, for, for the kids that you know? What did they say about the young life leader? They just showed up where we were and they dwelt among us. They were just there. They were just there. Man, unbelievable. All right. I'm a crier. I'm sorry. I cry a lot. Okay. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 5.20. Somebody go. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we speak to come back to God. We're Christ's ambassadors. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are his ambassadors. You may have heard that word. I don't know exactly what it means other than we represent him. And we show up and we speak of him. I think what's important there is we're not there to speak of young life. We're there to speak of Jesus. We're there to speak of life. We're there to ask them about them and be listeners. When you go to the school, you are not there to promote young life. That is trash. Everybody goes and tries to sell something to kids. You're not there to promote young life. You are there to have Jesus in you, to listen to lost kids, and to, on the tip of your hearts, on the tip of your tongues, should be, I hope I get to speak of the one. I hope I get to speak of him. What if, what if an opportunity comes up for me to talk about Jesus? There. That should be on the tip of our hearts. Our hope for kids is to speak of Jesus. All right. Uh, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Somebody go. Be wise in the way you act toward outside. That's right. Go together. Stand together. Go ahead. Start over. You're good. Yeah. Support it. It's like say so. Be wise in the way you act toward outside. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know, that you may know how to answer everything. Man, there's, 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 there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I'm going back to the four, five, and six. I have a little bit of a different version. It's walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, season with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There is a way about you because you know Jesus. I think even before that, there is a way about you because you have been moved, you have been found, you've been woken up to the love of God found in Jesus for you. And your life is now in response to that love. You talk about the things you really care about, don't you? Back in the day, and it was no good, and somehow it's still no good today. But I used to talk about South Carolina football. Like, it wasn't good then, and it's not good now. But I was excited about it. I would talk to people about South Carolina football. Why? I don't know. No good. Tell trash pop of program. But I love them still. And I talk to people about them. But that was on the tip of my heart. That filled me back in the day was kind of talking about South Carolina all the time. People always talk about their sports teams like they have any validity or relevance to life. Or they're their own and are known by them. But they aren't. What do you find yourself speaking of? You'll speak of what you're most excited about. Me at my best and my rare wrist is when I'm full of Christ and I want everyone to know only him. It's me at my rarest, unfortunately. But man, isn't that our goal? Isn't that what we're given, supposed to do as teams? 
is to remind each other of Jesus. There's a guy named Bob Mitchell, is an old president of Young Life, and he is old. He's old. I mean, old. And like, if you walked in here, you'd be like, "Yield, that's old," you know. Um, and he's hilarious. I heard him two years ago talk. Somebody he was talking to this whole group of Young Life staff, people taking this class, and they said to him, "What do you remember? What's your when you look back on Young Life? Like, what's the thing?" What's your like greatest joy? And he sat up there and he laughed. And he said, my team, we didn't know what we were doing. We just knew Jesus, talked about it with each other. We laughed all the time together. And then we just show up and watch for what he was gonna do in kids' lives. My team. We laugh together. We talk about scripture together. We encourage each other. We just show up at the high school. Something sounds real good and simple about that, doesn't it? So a great thing to think about is how much time are you spending laughing with your team? How much time do you spend talking to your teams about the scripture, about Jesus in you, about what's going on with him in your heart? You love him together, and then you show up together. And it draws people through all this salt and all this that uh, Colossians was just talking about. You are the salt. Your way is the salt. There's a verse in John 13, 34, and 35. It's something like this. It says this. They will know you're my disciples by how you love each other. I was drawn to Jesus by a group of people that were following Jesus. And my friends I had my whole life, my friends I had my whole life, I knew were nothing. My relationships were nothing with my best friends in high school because Young Life leaders showed up together and I was like, that, I don't know exactly what that is, that is what I want. Show up with your team um, to the school. Go together as often as possible. And spend time laughing and talking about the scriptures with each other. So that when you show up, when you do your contact work calendar, you will have the goodness to give away. Man, there's a whole lot of strength in doing this as a team. Hey, in Mark, um, looking at Jesus' life, in Mark, I, I just did this for funsies. I, I opened it up and was like, hey, I'm going to look. I always say that Jesus was out in the battle with people, but I'm going to look and see, like, how many times did Jesus, like, have people come to his thing. You know? How many times is he like, come to my, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here putting on this deal, come to my thing, and uh, we'll do some ministry. Right? So I can't recall him saying that ever, but I wanted to look at it and see. This is in Mark. I kind of went through just for fun, looking at the looking at the first, uh, looking at the, kind of the headings and all that. Beginning of Mark chapter one. Uh after the baptism of Jesus and all that, it says this. Um, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Then the next thing says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he and his friends, Simon and Andrew, uh, he saw Simon and Andrew cast, uh, casting a net. He called them to follow. He was out in the Sea of Galilee and they were fishing, you know, and he called them to follow him. And then he went into Capernaum and 
so on and so forth. He went into Peter's house. He ended up having a couple guys that were closer to him, the disciples. He would go with them. He ended up kind of doing life with them, but he would take them, he would take them with him out to the crowds. He would spend some time with them eating and talking about life and who the Lord is and sure laughing. He got into boats with them and hung out with them and he'd fall asleep with them, you know, in the boat while they were going across the He'd spend time out doing things with his disciples. Maybe those are campaigner kids. Maybe those are other leaders on your team. But all over the entire book of the Bible, when you look at Jesus, he was with people on their turf, living life, speaking of God, loving each other the way he knew the Father's love. He was on their turf and he was with them. That is what we do as Young Life leaders. Like all Jesus did, if you look at Jesus' example, all he did was go, was go out and be around people. And yes, he would retreat. Many times he'd try to retreat and get away from the crowd. The crowd would run around lakes and want to be with them, and he would have compassion and talk to them there. But Jesus was out with people. He wasn't trying to get them to come to his meeting. He was meeting them right where they were. And you know what? He wasn't waiting on camp or club to speak the gospel. He wasn't waiting on like a certain event to happen. The gospel, the presence of God, he spoke about because it was on the tip of his heart and the tip of his tongue. And he taught his disciples to do the same thing. God is now. The reality of living God is right now, right at this moment. And you may not feel worthy. I sure don't. But you have been enabled to deliver this good news to lost kids. And I would really encourage you and your teams when you show up to do contact work to have the gospel on the ready. I won't do this right now, but this is a great practice. If I said, hey, what's the gospel? Tell me the gospel in one sentence like you would tell a kid. If a lost kid came up to you and said, what's the gospel? What would you say? Don't do it right now. It's a scary question. Probably shouldn't be, but it's a scary question. That's worth doing, by the way. Write it down. Take it, take it home later. Get together with your team. In one sentence, how do I say what the gospel is that a lost person that doesn't know churchy words will understand? But we need to have that gospel on the ready. The presence of God living in us. You have to say, I was blind, but now I see. Or however it works for you. The gospel is the light of our heart. Um, Y'all probably know this. I'm going to do a quick kind of tactical training on what Young Life is. Um, does anybody know what level one of contact work is? What Young Life considers a level one contact work. If you want to know, like, all right, I hear all this. I want to do contact work, but I don't know, like, how to do it. How do I, like, put the foot in front of the other and get there? How do I go do it? What's a strategy I could use to help me show up? That's what this is. Level one contact work. Anybody know what that is? Being seen, thank you, being seen. You show up, it's a level one, you're there for the many. Uh, not the small, but the many. Um, I, I started doing Young Life at early high school in Asheville. 
and we would do the football walk, is what we called it. We didn't, there wasn't Young Life at the school. Nobody, you know, it was a small country part of Asheville. You know, there's definitely some people that are skeptical of new people showing up in their kids' lives, you know? And we really had to earn the right, not just with kids, but with adults. So we did what we called a football walk. We go to football games as, as a team, and we sit back there and just stare like, oh, I'm scared. Like, oh, what are we doing here? I don't know. I barely know any kids. Parents don't really know us. And I'd be like, all right, I'm going for it. They're like, all right, so do it, do it, you know. I walk down the stairs, which I walk down the stairs to the football game. I get down front. Take it or leave it, but this is wonderful, by the way. Sorry, I went into the stadium, level one contact work. I walked down to the front, and I would put my hand in my pocket, and I would act like I was looking for somebody in the crowd at the stadium. I had no one in mind. I knew no one, and no one knew me. But I would literally walk around. I have my hands in my pocket because I feel like that's a little bit, if you're, if you're nervous and your hands are out, you start to kind of do this a little bit. You know, you start to so I put my hands in my pockets. And I'll just kind of look up at the crowd. I was looking for somebody, not going too slow, but just kind of looking around. So, <laughs> no one waved at me. <laughs> I would just kind of say, What's up to them? They kind of keep going. I would walk by and I would get all the way down to the other end of the stands. And I would walk up, make it back, and be like, What's up? Make it up. You know, it's my team. Like, we made it. We made it walk. You're being seen. I think it's important for people to see you and to get to know you. It was stupid. The football walk was stupid and ridiculous, but so fun. And we always laughed at how dumb each other looked, you know, trying not to be nervous walking down in front. I did the football walk. I did a TC all the time. I'll walk down um, in, front of, in front of the crowd. That's a great little thing to do. Be seen, level one uh, contact right. Where if you're earning the right to be heard, figure out ways to be seen. If you're nervous, if you're a new leader, you don't know anybody, like, come up with something fun to do. Make this thing fun, you know? It's scary already. <laughs> Make it fun. Come up with ways, like, awkward? If you, if you plan on avoiding, if you avoiding awkward, you are in the wrong place. <laughs> you're in the wrong place. Not are you scared of awkward, I am too. But as Young Life leaders, we see the awkward and a lot of times go, Dang it, that's where I'm supposed to go. You know, and you just walk, you walk into the awkward. You just, well, you just what's gonna happen? I don't know. It's like we were talking a second ago, it's like everything that you tried to avoid when you were in high school, now you have to go stand in the middle of that and just live in social awkwardness. It's a it's a beautiful thing. I heard a comedian the other day say, um, that a middle schooler <laughs> said a middle schooler has this crazy ability to find the one thing you hate about yourself and identify it and say it out loud. It just like wrecks you, you know? He says, I'm like, oh, look at you. Hey, you got big, look at the birthing hips you got. And he's like, how'd you know I have ideas? You know? He was like self-conscious about it. He was freaking out. But people have the ability to make fun of you and find the thing and whatever. It's awkward, but you're going to be seen. Um, Secondly, second level. So one is being seen, you got the many. Level two of contact work, what is that? We'll be a level two. What do you think? The next level of contact work. Once you've earned the right with some people, you've been seen, may know a couple people. What's, what's the next level of contact work? What would it be? I'm not gonna tell you. 
level one being seen. What's level two? Being heard. Huh? Being heard. Talking to students. Being heard. What's that? Being heard, like being listened to. Yeah, being listened to. You kind of, level one is done kind of on their turf, right? You're beating the mini. Level two kind of is like, there's the few. Another way to look at it is, there's, you're kind of on neutral ground with kids. You've been there, you've been on their turf and all this. Maybe you, instead of saying, getting them from the football game, you know, if, um, instead of it being like club all the way onto your turf or whatever, um, maybe there's a, you're with the few. You're with the many level twos, you're with the few. You find neutral ground, five guys. Let's just pretend I ate there all the time. Um, five guys uh, are going to eat or whatever it is. You find going to the grocery at level two. You start to have a, you start to have some conversations with a few people. You start to hang out a little bit with a smaller group. You're not necessarily remember we're dealing with like lost kids here. So you're still trying to meet them where they are and do things that they like to do. Um, so level one is kind of being seen or the masses. Um, level two, uh, I would call the few. Level two is, is the few or neutral ground. I'm so sorry for my handwriting. Neutral ground. If you're looking for a way to kind of take your contact work to the next level, you're like, all right, I've been seen, what's next? I know some kids. Try to find some neutral ground to be on. Maybe you know where kids are. Maybe you know kids that work in a certain grocery store or whatever, and you go there on purpose. Maybe some are going out to eat, but you gotta figure out are you at a place, are you at a relationship where you could um, go with kids to somewhere that's not your ground or theirs? It's just kind of safe. Maybe you found out some kids like the NBA, you're like, I'm going you go to a Hornets game, you know, or fill in the blanks. You know, you find some sort of something that they like and you go do what they like with them. You're still going to them on their turf. It's not at school. It's a pretty big jump, right? Relationally, if you're thinking about it, it's a pretty big jump. So that's it, level two. Are we out of every time? We're out of time. And then, I think, I have people standing out there. Graham, what time are we supposed to be done? Do you know? That's fine. You're just sitting right here. Uh, all right, level three. What's level three? I'm going to get fast. Level three? Huh? Immersion baptism. Immersion baptism. No. What is level three? Level three is one-on-one. -on -one. Somebody said, I think I'm here. Level three is one-on-one. -on -one. This is when you're really discipling, going deep with kids. You have truthful conversations about real life with them. Hey, look at kind of level two, level three example, and then we're gonna finish up. When, anybody from Hot Point in here? Yeah. Yeah. Woo, What's up? So when Clay Nettles was in high school, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with Clay. When he was in high school, uh, we used to go um, duck hunting together. It's something I love to do. I thought he would like it. And we would do that. And Clay was following Jesus in high school. And we had this group of guys that were not following Jesus. But we knew they liked hunting. hunting. And so it became this tradition that when me and him and these guys, we would get together and we invite people to come hunting with us, and God, we knew they liked it. They'd be like, yeah, let's go hunt. 
And so we would sit out there, and I remember one time it was snowing, we're sitting out over this pond, it was snowing, by the way, no, no ducks or anything really ever fly in Asheville, but we would just go for fun. And we were sitting out by this pond, and all these guys, I'm talking about rough dudes that don't know Jesus, would be decked out in camo and have face paint on, and we're sitting out in the snow and we were cold. And there's this moment when you're hunting, because you're there in the dark, that the sun starts to rise and it gets real quiet. You almost don't have to tell anybody. Like, everybody just kind of gets quiet. And then as you're waiting on something to happen, conversations start to happen. I'm sitting next to this guy, and you start asking them questions. Tell about them, how are things? Tell about your family. And we're just sitting around, we're duck hunting. And I was sitting around talking to people about the family, and it's amazing what will happen if you go do something fun that people like, and it'll open up the way for conversation there. Neutral ground, and then level three is one-on-one, -on -one, having truthful conversations. Last thing I'm telling you, I'm running through it. Mistakes in contact work, ready? Number one, never going. That's a mistake. Never going to do contact work, that is a mistake. Not praying before you go, that is a mistake. Uh, being inconsistent, that is a mistake. Not working hard to remember names. Right, get a notebook and write it down. Write down names. I've got it on my phone, notebook. I know, I'm old. In my phone, I got a list of TC names from this year. Write down names and something about them so they help you remember who they are. Talking instead of listening. That's a mistake. Listen as often as you can. Being mad at them for not liking you or for being jerks. That is a mistake. Get over it. And lastly, the biggest mistake is believing that any of this is up to you. Believing this is up to you or your power or your personality or your ability to draw them to Jesus. Carrying that weight is the biggest mistake you can make. You're going to get crushed. We're called to do something that only the Spirit of God can do, but he has called you to do it. So my friends, be goers. Be prayers. Your ministry is on their turf. Y'all are awesome. Thanks. Well, thanks for listening to this seminar on contact work, the heart of young life. I'll have more of Matt's notes in the show notes. Till next time.